0: If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha Hashavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful of Shabbos to all of you. What a special of Shabbos it is once again for those of you who will be in Shul. And Shul is a safe place unless you have some... uh, medical reason why you cannot be in shul. You should try your best to be in shul because tomorrow, once again, we'll be taking out two Torah scrolls, two Sifrei Torah, and one will read the portion of the week, Kitisa, and in the second we'll read the special Parsha of this week called the Parsha Para, the Parsha that deals with the Para Adumab, the red heifer. I hope all of you have had a wonderful Purim. Well, not the same as we've had every year. This year it's been a little bit different. I'm sure most of you had the opportunity of hearing the Megillah being read once, hopefully twice. And although the festivities were a bit muted, not like every year with your own family, but I'm sure each and every one of you were able to create a degree and perhaps even a large degree of simcha, of joy, and to celebrate Purim in the fullest sense of the word. Purim, of course, is a time of extraordinary joy. And it's not only a joy that lasts 24 hours. And this year, we had the interesting phenomenon of Purim Mishulash, a three-day Purim. Those who lived in Israel, live in Israel, live in Jerusalem, they were able to celebrate Friday and Shabbos, and even Sunday, and we are able to take from that triple joy of Purim and to extend it throughout the entire month of Adar. The month of Adar, as we all know, is Marbim Simchat. It's a time that we add to joy. And not only do we add to joy because of the general dimension of the month of Adar, but the intensity of the festival of Purim gives this time an added energy Of great joy and as I've often said joy is an exceptionally powerful form of divine energy it breaks down all barriers all limitations it enables us to reach out to the highest and deepest most powerful levels this is what joy is able to accomplish and therefore may this year the Adar the Purim the divine joy energy that has been generated may it extend to each and every one of us on all sorts of levels, materially and spiritually. It's difficult to believe that a full year has gone by with the, well, with the COVID, with the corona pandemic A full year, people have been sitting home. Some people have been in their homes for an entire year. Many have been sitting in their homes for many, many months. It's been a year of great challenge, of great difficulty. For some, it's been a time of exceptional loneliness, of exceptional challenge. But nonetheless, people have taken this time and used it in extraordinary sort of ways. And this is why... As we approach this Shabbos, the Shabbos of Parshat Kitisa, as I'll soon explain, as well as the added dimension of the second Torah, which gives this Shabbos the special name of Parshat Para, the Parsha of the Red Heifer, the Para Aduma. This enables us again to use this challenging time in an exceptionally positive an energetic sort of way parashat para is always read the shabbos before Hachodesh. Hachodesh is read either on rosh Chodesh nisan or if it comes the week before rosh Chodesh nisan as we prepare for pesach pesach is a time that is one of those three festivals that when the temple was standing the jewish people were obligated to make the pilgrimage to jerusalem to the temple And in order to do that, they had to be in a situation of spiritual purity, of ritual purity. And this is why we read the Parsha of Tara, which places one into a situation of ritual purity. And as you've heard me say, on a number of occasions, when we talk about the whole concept of ritual impurity and purity, it's not something that talks to us about cleanliness and uncleanliness. It's something which is far beyond the physical dimensions of clean or unclean. It's something which touches the spiritual dimensions of sensitivity and insensitivity. We are, after all, physical beings that contain spiritual dimensions. We are this incredibly complex combination of these two seeming Opposite dimensions, on the one hand, we have physical bodies, physical bodies that can be measured in very, very simple physical terms, in time, in space, in tangible physical terms. At the same time, what enlivens us, what gives us chayas, what gives us the animation of life on every single level comes from anishama comes from the soul, comes from the soul, which, as our sages tell us, is It's part and parcel of God himself. And as the Altarebbe, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, and Tanya says, Mamash, it is actually part and parcel of God himself. And these two extremely different type of elements come together, forming what we see, as the human being, the Jew, as we understand him. And sometimes the physical dimension of the Jew doesn't have the sensitivity of being aware that there is an that there is a soul. The body is not aware of the fact that there is this divine presence within him that gives life, that gives energy, that gives chayas, that enables us, yes, to simply live that is a state of tumor that is a state of spiritual insensitivity that is something that has to be corrected because if in fact we are in a state of spiritual insensitivity if we are in a state where we don't recognize where we don't feel where we don't acknowledge the presence of the soul we are not complete people Because if we don't recognize the core, the source of our life, if we only see ourselves within the limited dimension of our physical existence, and yes, even within the dimensions of intellect and emotion and senses, but we don't recognize the spiritual dimension of the soul that gives us that life and connects us, with god himself we are terribly incomplete and therefore we have to be cleansed we have to be spiritually purified we have to be elevated that is the story of the red heifer that is the story of the para aduma that is the story that we read in shulat of the second torah tomorrow this is what makes this Shabbos, very special. And what we have to talk about, what is the connection? What is the relationship between the Parsha of this week, which is Kitisa, counting the Jewish people, taking the the senses of the Jewish people, or as translated, literally, elevating, where God tells Moshe, when you will count, when you will raise the head, when you will elevate, the heads of the jewish people you must do it in this particular way with the half shekel something that we've spoken about often what is the relationship of this parsha with the story of the red heifer and why one might argue and say that they are two separate things and this is why we have two separate torah scrolls two separate separate torah nonetheless any two things certainly within holiness that comes together as a relationship, we will examine that soon, more of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We asked the question before, what is the relationship between the Parsha that we read, Kitisa and the Parsha, the second Parsha, Porah? The story of the red heifer. But take, take a look at the Parsha Kittisa, the instruction from God. From Moshe, when you will count the Jewish people, you will elevate their heads. You will take the head, half shekel. The rich cannot give more than a half shekel. The poor cannot give less. This census, this counting literally indicates the absolute equality. Each and every single individual is counted in the same way. We don't look at the qualities of one or the faults of another. Each and every single individual stands equal in this great census because ultimately we're looking at the essence of each and every single individual, which indicates their level of perfection. And this is why Kitisa et Rosh, we are talking about their heads, you are elevating the head of each and every single individual. It suggests the idea of an exalted and elevated level that Moshe is going to in fact elevate even to a far higher level and this is the way the Parsha opens up on this wonderful instruction Talking about the Jewish people who are going to be counted and how to elevate them to their own heads and their heads to a higher level. And it continues in the opening paragraphs talking about the construction of the Mishkan, the artisans who were appointed. It talks about the tablets, the Luchot, etc. And then suddenly the parsha begins to talk about one of the darkest moments in Jewish history. And that's the story of the egg of the golden calf. A story that really boggles the mind. How is it possible that 40 days after the Jewish people stood at Sinai and experienced the incredible revelation of God himself coming down and giving the people the Torah 40 days later, They're dancing around an idolatrous golden calf behaving in a way which is completely contrary to that which they actually devoted themselves to at Sinai. How is it possible that this extreme turnaround takes place in such a short period of time? And one asks the question, how is it? That this story, this terrible event, this painful event, is told to us in a Parsha that is called Kitisa, when you will raise and elevate the head of the Jewish people. And as we often say, the name of the Parsha includes the entire Parsha. Every single detail of the Parsha is included And is suggested within the name. The name speaks about elevation. The name speaks about lofty spiritual levels. The name speaks about taking them to a higher level. And yet, almost the bulk of the Parsha speaks about a time of the Jewish people falling to a level that was the extreme opposite of spiritual elevation, they fell to a state of idolatry and worse. Why is this particular story told to us in this parsha? And if it is necessary, why call this parsha Kitisa? We don't see the elevation. We don't see an exalted level. We don't see the raising of the Jewish people. We see the Jewish people being diminished. They fall, they stumble into a state of darkness and confusion and distance from godliness. But let's take a look at the story. Let's take a look at some of the details of the story. And perhaps from there we'll get some insight into actually what in fact is taking place. Moshe is in heaven. He's negotiating with God to receive the Torah. Moshe is in heaven talking to God so that he can bring the Torah down to the Jewish people and teach the people the Torah. Now one can only imagine the spiritual state that Moshe is in. In heaven, speaking to God, receiving the Torah. What's taking place down below in the camp of the Israelites? The story of the golden camp. It says that God speaks to Moshe rather harshly. God speaks to Moshe rather harshly. And he says, descend from heaven. Go down. Because your people have in fact sinned. Your people have become corrupt. Those are very harsh words. Is it Moshe's fault? Did Moshe bring this about? And while there is some suggestion that it was the aid of the the, uh, multitude that Moshe allowed to accompany the Jewish people, but nonetheless, Moshe is in heaven right now. Moshe is speaking with God. Moshe has no knowledge of what the people below are doing. It would seem to suggest that God is actually accusing Moshe of being the cause of all of this. It would seem within the words of this passage, it would seem within the words of this passage, within the words of God, when he says, Lech, Reid, go down. And as Rashi points out, not only go down, but he says, go down from your elevated, exalted level. I raised you to a position of greatness as God only because of the Jewish people as their leader. But if the Jewish people are not behaving properly, then you no longer have the merit of being that individual who was elevated as well. And this is something which is difficult for us to understand. Why would Moshe be accused of something that he had no knowledge of something that's taking place below upon earth the answer in simple terms and this is something again that we've talked about often first and foremost on every single level the purpose of Moshe is to be a leader that's his mission that's Who he is. He is the leader of the Jewish people. And that is his central concern. And that is his main concern. To lead. To protect. And to look after. His people. Like a shepherd looks after his flock. Each and every single gesture. Each and every single thing that he does. Is an expression of that leadership. And what Hashem is saying to him, Moshe, perhaps you failed in your leadership. If in fact the Jewish people can behave in such a way, is there some fault in your leadership? Is there some shortcoming in your leadership? Is there something that you didn't convey? Is there something that you didn't show them? Is there something that you didn't teach them? He says to Moshe, if in fact your entire purpose is to be a leader, then how is it possible that the people that you are obligated to lead can behave in such a way? Moshe could have turned around to God and said, listen, it's not my fault. Moshe could have turned around to God and said, listen, the people have their own choice. The people behave in a way based upon what they want to do. It's not what Moshe did. Moshe descends onto the mountain, back to the people. And what does he do? He sees what's happening and he turns to God. And he says to God, why are you angry with his people? The very first thing that Moshe does is protect his people. He calls to God to forgive his people. The very first thing that Moshe does is he sees the weakness within the people. The people have sinned. The people have allowed a dimension of corruption to enter into their lives. And he turns to God and he says, now, God, this is a great opportunity for you to show your true greatness and God responds by extending his 13 levels of mercy something which is far beyond that which he has ever given the people what Moshe is doing now is elevating the people from the lowest level to the highest level at the beginning of the parsha he elevates their heads but at this point he elevates them From the lowest level upward. This is the kitisa. This is the extension of elevating. The Jewish people. To even a higher level. From a lower level. This is the story of Teshuvah. This is the story of helping the Jewish people. Return to a level. Of greatness. This is why this story is told to us. Precisely. In this Parsha. This story is told to us. Precisely in. A parashat is called kitisa. It's not enough to elevate the head. Because when you elevate the head, of course the head is at an exalted level. It's important to elevate the lowest elements when they become corrupted. One might think it's lost forever, but it's not. The opportunity and possibility to do teshuvah. The opportunity of returning and actually elevating the lowest, this is what Moshe accomplishes in his great discussion with God. He says to God, you've challenged my leadership. It's true. I have failed perhaps in my leadership. But now I'm going to express my leadership at the greatest level. I'm going to protect my people even though they behave so badly. I want you to God to show them extraordinary levels of mercy. I want you to forgive them. And this is the bulk of the Parsha, the forgiveness of God, to elevate the Jews from the lowest level to even a higher level, a higher level than elevating their heads at the beginning of the Parsha. This is the majesty, this is the beauty, this is the wealth, the richness of this Parsha. This is the true kitisa. this is the true elevation, bringing the people up, not only from a high level to a higher level, but from a low level to an infinitely high level, more of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska only on one hundred one point nine high FM. We're talking about Kitisa. The Parsha speaks about the whole process of elevation. Not only when you are in a state of perfection of spiritual perfection, not only when your head is intact, not only when you are standing close in a state of spiritual devotion and correctness where Moshe comes and in the senses elevates Kittisa at Rosh. But even in the story of the golden calf, the Eagle Hazahav, when the people unfortunately behaved in the most horrific way, when they turned against God, when they behaved in the most idolatrous way, when they behaved in a way which indicated a rebellious nature, nonetheless, Moshe as leader turns to Hashem and pleads with him that he should forgive them and Hashem extends the 13 spiritual dimensions of mercy, not only does he forgive the Jewish people, but he lifts them to a new and higher level. This is the true meaning of kitisa. This is the true meaning of elevation. Not from, as I said before, from a high level to a higher level, but from the lowest level to an infinitely high level. That's the true elevation that we talked about in this week's Parsha. And now that we understand that dimension of Kitisa, we can also understand the relationship between Kitisa and the story of the Pura Aduma, the red heifer. What does the red heifer accomplish when a person is in a state of Tuma? When a person is in a state of ritual, of spiritual impurity? What is the Pura Aduma sprinkled with the para aduma ash and water, what happens? You elevate that individual. You take him out of the state of impurity and return him to a state of spiritual sensitivity, of spiritual and ritual purity. Similar kit the second level, as I mentioned, even when the Jewish people were at a very low level, Moshe was able to elevate him as a true leader does. A true leader cares about his people, not when they are behaving perfectly, but more so when they are behaving imperfectly. This is where leadership comes in, a sense of caring when the people are not behaving as well as they should. Similarly to the individual who is in a state of tumult in a state of spiritual insensitivity, in a state of spiritual imperfection. He needs the para-aduma to awaken the fact that he possesses a soul. As mentioned earlier on, the body often forgets that there is an ishama. The body often forgets that there is a soul. The body is often so consumed by its own physical desires, by its own material needs, that it forgets that there is a spiritual dimension. The body begins to somehow convince itself that it's a living entity unto itself, that it's a physical, natural creature without any divine or spiritual dimension to it. And how far from the truth is that? And yet people are able to convince themselves just like that, that this, in fact, is the truth of their existence. Why? Because they have become insensitive to the spiritual dimension. And this is what the symbolic dimension of the Pura Aduma is all about, to remind the individual that there is a soul. And the soul is not only a source of energy and animation that gives us the power that we possess to live, but it actually connects us. It's the link between ourselves and God himself. It elevates us to a high level, the relationship between Kitisa, the process of elevation, not only from the highest level, but even from the lowest level, and the para-aduma, the red heifer, that is able to transform us from a state of ritual impurity purity to a state of tremendous spiritual consciousness. And this is what happens at this particular time of the year. Between Purim and Pesach, our sages tell us this is a time that is filled with a tremendous source of energy that is able to awaken those deep and powerful elements of divine strength within us, the joy that we experienced on Purim and the freedom, the true freedom that we will celebrate on Pesach, time between Purim and Pesach contains a combination of that spiritual energy that is able to enliven us, that is able to elevate us, that is able to bring us to a higher level. And this is why we read these special parshas at this particular time. So when you're in shul tomorrow, listen carefully to the parsha of the week, the beginning of Kitisa, the instruction of the senses, the story of the golden calf, and how Moshe pleads for his people. Listen to what the second Torah tells us, the story of the red heifer, the porraduma. It all speaks to us about sensitivity, about elevation. Listen to every word, and as I always say, make it your own story. Make it something which is relevant and real. Make it something which is personal. Make it something that Torah teaches you on the most intimate and real way. Good service.